Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Returning to Eden. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jeff Morton. Glad to have you along. And of course, my co-host is Dina Dye. Dina, hello. Hello. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing good, and it sounds like you're doing better. Yes, thank you. I'm in sunny Florida, so you can be jealous. Everybody out there, it's 80 degrees. <laughs> oh, well, we're raining. We got flood warnings. <laughs> All right. Until I'm the happy Pacific to be Northwest. here. <laughs> well, we, we do a 30-minute show, so we tend to jump right into things. But uh, first, I want to make a couple of quick announcements. We're going to have, um, if you're following me on Facebook or my website or my blog, you'll know that we invited Professor John Walton to be a guest on the program. He accepted. We are going to, on the 22nd of February, have a one-hour show where we're going to uh, chat with him and uh, listen to some of the things that he is studying. Uh, this man is brilliant, you guys. I mean... <laughs> I, I've been following his stuff for a year, Dina, and I know you have a lot to say about him. Well, I call him the rock star of scholarship. Uh, the, well, I he's, mean, he's he's on the forefront, and I mean, he changed my thinking completely in in some areas, not everything, obviously, but um, he really is brilliant. He's really thought these things through, and I mean, for me, I can't wait to be able to talk to him. And we got to remind everybody, if they have questions, please email your questions to me because you're not going to be able to call in. So you can just email me at drdianadye at gmail, and we'll sort through everything and, and we'll ask those questions. So please, people, call, write, do something. <laughs> and I did send to Professor Walton another email today. I haven't heard back from him yet. Uh explaining to him how the show works and how to come on and all that stuff. But uh, if you're not familiar with him, just go to my blog, Jeff S or jeffmorton.blogspot. I've written several articles about him. There's a few videos there. What he basically does is he kind of, he, he takes words and he shows you how the words when applied properly to the cultural dynamic by which they were written tends to give us a different meaning or different uh, perspective or even a completely different viewpoint of much of the biblical text and he does come with some controversy because there's a lot of folks out right. there in the world that uh that struggle through what he's what he's what he's bringing but i, I want to say something real quick when the father showed me this whole paradigm shift that has continued and continued and continued john walton fit right into that that whole process so i get what he's saying uh I got it nine years ago. I just didn't know he existed. Right. So that's kind of why I'm partial to his teaching. Go ahead, Dina. Yeah, he's well, you know, he's just he's outside the box. He's outside the box of traditional Christianity. Yes. And it's hard for people because we hang on to those closely held beliefs and biases, et cetera. We don't want to let go. But if you can just allow yourself to consider what, you know, what he has to share, and of course he's got I don't know, 30 plus years of scholarship and and he has come from some very prestigious background. He is a professor at Wheaton College. So we would encourage you to prepare yourself for the show, at least read uh, The Lost World of Genesis 1. Uh, the, you know, just start there if you don't have time to read much more. And it's um, it's a sh it's short. It doesn't take very long. So I would well, uh, it, it appears that I have an alarm going off and uh, 
Okay. Probably, Dina, would you kind of hold down the fort? I'll be right back. Okay, no problem. So, you know, last time we, the last two weeks, we've been talking about chaos and rest and order and disorder and stability and instability, et cetera. And we'll probably finish up this show a little bit with the, with the concept of rest. Um, and rest and the created order are kind of one and the same. So I don't know if you remember, those of you who listened last time, we talked about Genesis 1 being the created order. And then we have exile. Of course, Adam is exiled out of the garden. And then when, by the time we get to Revelation, we have the kingdom established. And this is a pattern we, re- we see all through scripture. So there's order, there's exile, and the kingdom established. And you can see that pattern in just about every story if you look at it closely. We talked about uh, order being the establishment then of sacred space. And the sacred space, uh, we can see that running through the scriptures from Adam in the garden to Noah in the ark to the, uh, the patriarchs in the tents to Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness in the tabernacle and on and on down uh, through the entire book. And everything, really the, the framework of Genesis chapter 1 we have creation, and then everything that follows that is really about creation being renewed. Now, if you've been reading along in the Torah portions for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through Exodus, and we see the, the whole pattern of the plagues. And, of course, there's ten plagues, which is kind of significant. And, and all of that is speaking to us about uh, the concept of chaos. And what happens out of that, of course, the children of Israel are now pushed out of Egypt and they enter into the wilderness area again. So we have sacred space being created for them. The the tabernacle is constructed to restore order out of the chaos that came as they went through all of those different plagues. And so the, you know, all the various plagues represent that chaos period. And then rest came to the children of Israel in the wilderness when the tabernacle was built. And so as the tabernacle is built, it is the place for God's dwelling. The enemies have been pushed back. He has established order. Now, the sacred space, of course, is in the wilderness area. We don't see that uh, in Egypt. They've come out of that. So what makes sacred space is when God's presence is there. And we can argue that 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 translates to us individually and personally. When his presence is literally living in us, that creates sacred space. Now, when that happens, you can't just run around and do whatever you want. The same thing was true with the pattern and function for the temple. So when you went into the temple and you served in whatever capacity, you couldn't go wherever you wanted. You couldn't do whatever you want. There was structure and order. So sacred space is always about order. And that order is established when God's presence dwells there. And uh, I've talked some about, you know, the the kings, that they would rule and reign from that place and that the function of the king and the high priest. Now, in the ancient world, king and high priest were one and the same. But the function of both was to maintain the created order, because after all, it had been diminished by Adam's sin. Uh, One of the hallmarks of order or rest, if you will, uh, it speaks of reproduction or reproducing after your own kind. We see this pattern going back into Genesis chapter one. Everything was reproducing after like kind. And so restoring the created order has to do with reproduction. 
it's regeneration, it's new life, um, and the concept of procreation. These are all, in effect, kingdom terms, kingdom being destroyed. And that's one of the reasons why we have uh, the genealogies have become so important, because they all speak of this regeneration and new life, and this idea of recreation or procreation. So the sense of temple building and God building a house in a sense, God is building into mankind the ability to bring forth new life. This is, when you think of it, that is replicating exactly what God did in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, as he created and brought forth new life. Now he is building into mankind the same ability to uh, to restore life, to bring forth life, etc., so again, this is all what we would call temple. Uh, this temple language has to do with the kingdom. It's rest language, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm, in, I'm reading a new book, which I actually, I just love, and I'm going to recommend it. And it's great because it's an easy read. Um, this guy, N.T. Wright, is an amazing scholar, a New Testament scholar in particular. Uh, his book is called The Day the Revolution Began. And the subtitle is Reconsidering the Meaning of Jesus' Crucifixion. And uh, it's so tied into all these concepts that I'm sharing uh, about the kingdom and about restoration and creation. So uh, for those of you who like to read, I really would encourage you. He talks about in this book the, the sort of the renewal of what human vocation was in the beginning. And um Human vocation has to do with serving as a king and high priest. Now, you you know, when they get to the wilderness, it talks about them being a kingdom of priests. And so um, he's he's speaking of that. And this is this temple language, once again, that the human has been given this role to recreate or restore. And that is um, uh, as king, high priest, et cetera, et cetera. With the idea that the responsibility of, of a human is to uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Like that's the very first commandment in all of scripture. And I think Jeff's back. So you want to comment on that? Okay. I don't hear him. Um, the idea to reproduce is the responsibility that's been given to humans. And that is the way that we can be in the image of God. So when we produce after our own kind, now we know physically we can produce children. Paul is speaking often about reproducing uh, after his own kind in the spiritual realm. So you know that the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Those sort of, that fruit is the same kind of physical fruit. Now that's spiritual fruit. And that is the way that we are to be in the image of God. So uh, in contrast to that, it is that sin, basically, um, it is it, it creates chaos and it prevents us from doing what we're supposed to do. So uh, let me just check in here and see if we have Jeff yet. Are you yeah, there? I, I think I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> All I, right. I, that I'm was embarrassed to tell you what happened. So I, I'll just bypass that that expedition I just went on. But okay. anyway, Dina, as I'm listening to you talk about this very subject, um, you know, and the restoration of all things, I, I 
I was looking at several words in scripture, particularly in, in the Torah, uh, that describe rest or rested. And there's quite a few words there. And if you if you don't understand the various meanings, I mean, going back and looking at them in their Hebrew meaning and the root, you can just kind of lump them all into one thing. And that's real. That'll really get you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you know, we think of rest. It, that That's one of those words that doesn't really have a concrete meaning for us today. No. And, you know, I was looking at um, when you were talking just a minute ago about the presence of God dwelling on us, you know, actually resting upon us. It means that he literally rested upon us or the Ruach rested upon a person and uh, all kinds of amazing things happened when that happened. But, but that he, is kingdom language. So yes. when the, the spirit would rest on a king or a high priest, it's not any different for us. Right. And and so I was thinking about, um, you know, this book you mentioned, N.T. Wright, The Day of the Revolution Began. What What we have to understand in our generation is that our concept of that whole experience there wasn't a human being alive on the earth in the presence of all of that happening that had our concept. They were thinking of the restoration of the nation of Israel. Right. Absolutely. So everything that they were seeing is they're going, is he the one that Moses spoke about who was going to restore the kingdom, who was going to bring back what we had, what we've lost? Is he the one that's going to bring rest? Right, as in kingship. And this is the part we just don't focus in on, you know, when Messiah came and what they expected out of him. They expected that king to come to restore creation and right. to rule and reign from his throne. Of course, that didn't happen in the way they had anticipated. Because there were some things that needed to take place according to kingdom law. The covenant had to be restored. There, there had to be a sacrifice. There were certain prerequisites, according to Levitical law, that had to be served. And I, you know, it's amazing to me how, if we don't understand those things, we we have this concept that lacks that fundamental understanding of the protocol of kingdom or kingdom language or kingdomship or the king returning. We don't yeah. have these concepts that they would have had and were waiting for. Right. And, you know, part of that's, you know, we live in the United States and we don't really have a clue about how monarchies work. Yeah, I was thinking about, I've been watching that uh, PBS special, Victoria, and I was, you know, I, when I grew up in Canada, we had, a, we had to memorize every single king, you know, every date, everything they did. And uh, I think Canadians have a really? bit more connection. Oh, yeah. I knew every king of England, France, you know, you name it, how they, I mean, that's not something Americans study. And so, you know, we just really don't have a good concept of how monarchies function, um, the protocol that is required to come into their presence. I mean, it's all similar language. And, uh, you know, I think it makes it uh, challenging for us to understand, you know, Yeshua's function and purpose as king, even reading about the kings, you know, in the scriptures. Well, the, the thing, too, that, you know, when you think about the land, if you if you, if we can agree that that it was God who raised up the nations, if we can just agree that it was him who set the borders, according to the children of Israel, the Bible tells us that, then we have to understand that he set up how these systems were going to going to uh 
how we were going to participate in them. This is his creation. So, for example, where I'm going with this is if you look at, and I've said this a thousand times, if you look at the fact that uh, Russia, we'll just use Russia, it has a capital city, Moscow. China has Beijing. The United States has Washington, D.C. Every country has a central government. And so when we consider Israel as being the central government or the place where the king will dwell, Israel is the governance, the place of governance for the whole world. Right. And, and we don't understand that the reason why the world is trying to take Israel out is because they're trying to take away the seat of the authority of the king. And this is the battle that we're in. This is actually literally a battle for to stop the rest that is promised by the king exactly. sitting on the throne of David. Well, and because we have kingdoms in conflict. I mean, we have two major kingdoms in conflict. It would be the nations, the oppressors, and Israel. That's that's the battle plan all the way through the scriptures. You, you understand that the focus of, of all the prophets, etc., is on Israel and the land and the, the kingdom and the king. And then the, the nations, the Gentile nations, if you will, are always rising up against her to destroy it. It really isn't even any different than today. So though the battle lines have been drawn from the beginning, uh, really going yes. back to the garden. Yeah. And so, folks, if you're not, if you're really not understanding the temple language, this is what this program's all about. We're returning us back to a to a time where we can kind of take apart some of the things that we've that have filtered into how we see the Bible and just go back to the reality of the situation that was actually happening. And you have to keep in mind too that when Moses is telling these stories and writing all this information down, he's recanting something and he's in he's in the process of restoring a people back to the promises that were made to Abraham. So we see even in his whole journey, his whole experience, his whole life represented restoration. But we have to look at it from this perspective. He's talking to people about events that happened 2,000 years before him. So right. he's trying to communicate to them in the same way that both Dean and I and I are trying to communicate. And even, I would say, uh, even Professor Walton and so many, many others were trying to go back to a time so that we can understand really who we are in our king. You know, and, and Exodus, because we're reading that now in the Torah portions, Exodus is really a perfect example of recreation language and establishing the kingdom. And so everything in the sort of traditional Jewish Hebrew world always goes back to the Exodus because that's sort of the ground zero in the faith. And so a lot of the, even the whole pattern of Yeshua is actually the pattern of the Exodus, that sort of birthing out of the, the, the world of idolatry, um, crossing the sea and, and, and being in the wilderness and creating this kingdom. I mean, they created the kingdom. They restored the kingdom in the wilderness. And that was a temporary thing, right? Because the tabernacle was a temporal thing. And uh, ultimately, they would build a physical temple that had permanence. Um, ultimately, the final temple really would be the restoration, you know, between heaven and earth. But all of that is everything we're aiming for is that restoration when heaven and earth become one again. And he and he rules and reigns. There's no barrier between the two. And the king is sitting on his throne. 
But think of think of the Exodus in that way. That uh, recre- it's recreation language. You know, I took a call from a, a listener um, today. She is she's got children who are in their thirties, and uh, she had sent me a. Uh, uh, email about an experience she had, uh, what you would call, Dina, an experience out of time. Okay. <laughs> and uh, the the conversation that, that we ended up having was, you know, the Father is restoring us. He's restoring us back to the function and purpose that each one of us have. And when it comes to women, and particularly women, uh, something that I'm pretty passionate about is women bring forth the life that God intended for us to have and men are the catalyst. So our functions and the purposes that he created us, they have to be restored as well. And that's all part of the Exodus plan to get us out of this nightmare we're in so that we can be restored to what we were supposed to be in the first place. And that applies to all of us, each and every one of us. Adina, I don't have to tell you that the world has flipped. Yeah. (laughs) Common sense is gone. I mean, lack of sense is what is being legislated. And we're seeing this, you know, the farther we swing away from what God created when he created humanity, and I'll use uh, Skip Moen's terminology here, the less human we become. And that's kind of what we're seeing. And I wanted to encourage the person who called today that everything that's going on in her life is based on the restoration promise to all of us. And so we can kind of look at it and go, well, we can flip out about how crazy things are going, or we can understand the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of God, and realize that restoration is underway. It's not something that's uh, lost in the sauce, so to speak. Right. <laughs> we are well, being key, restored. The key, again, is it's actually pretty simple. It's just we don't do it is to return to the throne yes. <laughs> and worship yeah. the king. And the throne is the place where wisdom dwells. You, you're not going to find wisdom, which is the opposite of what we see in the world, the folly. Common sense and wisdom is at, is, is at the throne. Is the, the throne is the oracle of God where the word comes forth. And that is, we have to return there because in a sense, um, our, our biggest problem is idolatry, if you will. And, and in particular, ourselves <laughs> we've made ourselves the idol yeah, you know instead of coming into the throne room of god and worshiping in his footstool hmm. you know i was uh going back to the conversation i had yeah I, I folks let me tell you something about jeff morton i i go through the same ups and downs that you all go through uh you know i've got bills to pay i've got a marriage we've got we've got issues and all those different things but I see something happening that I didn't see the entire time that I journeyed through this whole faith-based thing. And I see the kingdom of God being, being brought forward. I, I don't see the chaos as being uh, something that we have to grin and bear. I see the chaos as being something that's getting ready to be defeated. I could not function in this world if I didn't believe that the promises that God made to Abraham are not being realized every day in my life. And I think if we in the body of the Messiah think that way, then we can look at the chaos or we can look at the restoration. 
And if we look at the restoration, then it behooves us to go back, like Dila says, to the kingdom, to go back to a kingdom mind, get rid of the racial identifications, the ethnic identifications, and just go back to the kingdom mindset and start learning this stuff that we're trying to bring to you through returning to Eden. And so many people are out here talking about, because when you return to the things that God ordered, ordained, purposed, there's joy. There's, it doesn't Amen. matter how bad life gets. I have joy every single day of my life. Dean, I, I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, absolutely. And this is the example of what true rest is. So we've, you know, we've been talking about rest, trying to understand it in the context of the kingdom. I mean, Yeshua repeated, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is close, et cetera, et cetera. So that means it's present. So even though there's chaos all around us, you can find that place of rest where the king is sitting on the throne and he is bringing order and stability, et cetera, to your life. That's, I mean, that's the place every single person wants to be. And so that functions in, in, your own, in your own life, in the life of your family, your community, et cetera. And it is obviously is possible because that's the point that Yeshua came to restore the kingdom. Well, I was reading... Um... First John 5, uh, the verse 519, it says, We know that we are of Elohim, and all the world lies in the wicked one. Well, if all the world is under the supervision of the wicked one, the God that I serve says he holds the universe in the palm of his hand. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, so the wicked one can do his best. He's doing it in the palm of of our creator's hand. And if we yeah. begin to forget that, then we've lost everything. And well, so where is the battle? You know, the bat it's we don't, you know, battle against, you know, flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. and we, we battle against principalities, yeah. powers, etc. but even, you know, even more so the battle is in the mind. I mean, it's it's a choice of the will and the mind, you know, who you're going to serve, who you're going to follow, who you're going to worship. And uh you know, you choose. And, and it's, it's, a hard, you know, it was, we were watching a show about the, the SEALs, Navy SEALs. And they said, you know, you can be in the greatest shape ever. I mean, you could, you know, bench press, I don't know, 500 pounds and you know, walk on water. I, all that. But if you're, you know, the best SEAL is the one who has control over them, over his mind. So that, I thought, well, that's kind of an interesting, I mean, that's kind of where we need to be because that's where we often lose. And well, so you have to put your mind in action there. And, and if you look at the world, folks, uh, one of the battles, the battlefield is in emotion. And the yeah. world is legislating emotion. And the problem with legislating emotion, I know sometimes I don't feel like getting out of bed. So if I, if I get up on that dead side of the bed, then I don't feel good about being anywhere. And unfortunately, we got 7 billion people that think that they can I don't want to say all people, but we're trying to feel our way into the kingdom. Right. And, and That's instead, good. Yeah. Instead of study ourselves to be approved. And I've I've often said to myself, folks, you got a right hand, a left hand, you got up and down, you got back and front. You have a choice. And yeah. the choice to me means I'm going to return to Eden and Amen. see what my king has prepared for me. And I 
I'm reminding, I think it's uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans that I've made for you to prosper you. And to, you know, that's an eternal promise. That's not just like a, an aspirin to get you through your life. That's an eternal promise. Yeah. For I, generations to come, Dina. <laughs> it really is. So, I mean, I'm hoping in, in this, you know, short session that we have that people, that they can grab a hold of the concept of the kingdom Yes. And I mean, you probably heard it a million times, but this is Yeshua came to restore creation, creation, the kingdom, the temple. These are all synonymous terms. And we sort of were so narrowly focused on the things that he did. But the greater message is the restoration of all of creation, the created order. And that restoration has to do with the, re the return of, he you know, heaven and earth as one where he rules and reigns so um, hopefully, yeah hopefully people can can uh, you know st begin to approach the scriptures in that way dina it looks like we're out of time again i'll let you That's close okay. out the show today <laughs> okay well we really appreciate all you listeners and you know we had a little technological problems here but i think we're back on base and so we look forward to see you next time and make sure you send me those emails and questions for dr john walton on that note, folks, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Yeah.